Welcome to Canny Cross Conversations with me, Michelle. And me, Louise, talking all things dogs, running and canny sports. This episode is sponsored by the Get Stronger Run a Faster 5K course. It's great for canny crossers and runners to improve their 5K time and keep up with their dogs. Welcome to this week's Canny Cross Conversations. This episode I actually really enjoyed. We talked to Cam Wimble, uh, the dog nutritionist on uh, Instagram, and um, it was... I was going to say, do you think it it wasn't controversial? It was just thought-provoking, wasn't it? Yeah, very. I think a, a lot of the time we get a bit het up about dog food because it's complicated and we're constantly surrounded by companies trying to sell us this, like this is best for our dogs, our vet telling us this is best for our dogs. And actually, chatting to Cam today, he just really simplified it all for us, didn't he? And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just, it made just me a made bit more it, relaxed about the whole thing. Yeah, and I loved his analogy, well, not analogy, of, of sort of thinking about where dogs come from mm. and what a dog would normally eat in the wild. So actually, you know, all this stuff that we give it, processed stuff, which we wouldn't eat, yeah. is, is really interesting. So, um, yeah, there's lots and lots of information in there. And we'd yeah, love we, to... we do. We do. This should come with a warning this episode. We do chat about dog poo. Um... <laughs> and there might be a bit of bad language, but, you know, yes. apart from that... <laughs> <laughs> um, and we we also just consider the implications of our dog's diet as well on their health and longevity. So that's worth thinking about. So do do give the episode a listen and yeah. let us know what you think. And we do obviously talk about canny cross dogs um, and diet and stuff. So that was really interesting as well. So and treats. So I know you all want to know about treats. So give it a listen and let us know. And if you've got any questions, Cam is available to answer them. So enjoy. Hello, welcome to this episode of Canny Cross Conversations. Today we're joined by Cam Wimble, who is a certified dog nutritionist and the founder of The Dog Nutritionist. You've probably seen him on Instagram. Hi Cam, thank you for joining us today. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners properly? Yeah, hello to you both. Uh, I don't think I can do too much of a better job than what you've just done, uh, uh, Michelle. But um, yeah, i Cam Wimble, I've been a dog nutritionist now for coming up to five years. Before that, I used to have a dog running company with a friend. Dog of running? Mine. Yeah, dog running. <laughs> you didn't know that. I was surprised. I thought you might have um, heard about that before. No, you didn't know that. Tell no, no. That. <laughs> yeah, so I've been, I've been running with dogs for a, a, a long time too. I obviously didn't do my research well enough, did I? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and, yeah, just a, a dog lover. Um, what I like about dogs isn't just, you know, the fact that they're cute and sweet, but it's it's what they can do for us. And I think that um, the exercise and health part to the relationship that we have with dogs is incredible. And I just... That's what really kind of gets me going about dogs is that we've we've come together on this 15,000 year journey of domestication and surviving together and them learning to adapt to us and doing jobs for us and um, us doing our best for them to kind of yeah. um, make lives better for both of us. So um, that's that's I kind of that's what about bit about me and um, 
I give back to dogs by helping uh, their owners provide them with better food. Fantastic. Oh, brilliant. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) And having just done a 10K with my dog this morning and and the sun shining and just feeling good, I just take in, you know, what you said. It does. It helps us. And poor old Pickles had to drag me around. But, um, yeah. (laughs) She loved it. She No, she did. She did love it. Yeah, exactly. But hopefully I'm doing the best for her and we're, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll delve into this. And I think, yeah, I think doing the best for your dog is just kind of being on the lookout for new and improved things to do and trying to implement them. I don't really expect more than that of dog owners. You know, we're all learning and doing the best with the information we have at the time. Yeah. And then, you know, new things come along and it's about maybe being open to those new things dog owners so many of us online we see new things as a criticism to what we're doing at the time you know it's a warfare on some of those online forums and it's just important to remember that actually we're all trying to do the best thing for dogs but we we're at different you know stages of dog ownership we know different amounts of information about dogs and just battling through it together yeah, actually, yeah, that's true. It is. We, we're all stuck in our ways, really, aren't we? And what we've done with one dog before is maybe yeah. different to, to what we do with another dog. But let's, before we go into that, because I think that could be <laughs> a big thing. Yeah. Um, just to talk to us about dog nutrition, I can't even say it now, dog nutrition qualifications, because it's a bit of a minefield, isn't it? And and mm. so as a, as a you know, a, a dog owner, what, what should we be looking out for? And what, and what is it that you, you've done? Yeah, so I wish I could give an answer which was um, gave some form of backing to canine nutritionists, but the reality is the courses and the qualifications aren't aren't there. I mean, I think recently there's a couple of diplomas that are of uh, or are in more depth regarding canine nutrition than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, off off qual registered level three um i haven't done that course i wouldn't actually i can't give an honest answer as to whether it's any good or not so long story short there aren't any qualifications if you are getting nutrition advice from a vet you need to be even more careful because the information that they receive is totally biased unfortunately big pet food companies have infiltrated um vet colleges and they're the ones that educate them on nutrition so a veterinary degree doesn't make you an expert in canine nutrition and in many cases far from it dog nutritionist anyone can pretend to be a dog nutritionist and anyone can get a diploma for 200 pounds online so you really need to just do your research into the dog nutritionists that you are looking into um trust you know once you've maybe spoken to them and gained uh, an idea of actually how much knowledge they have on whatever you're trying to deal with at that point i would suggest working with them but like every uh, vet that you may be thinking of uh, working with or dog food business that you want to buy food from actually not just blindly trusting qualifications or stamps of veterinary approved natural you you need to do a bit more research these days to kind of get through 
the bullshit. <laughs> yeah. No, and Michelle's nodding her head here. Yeah. No, I, I really like your approach, Cam, because you're all about kind of the, you know, the natural foods, aren't you? And not putting, shall I say, junk into our dogs. So yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that further yeah. on. I think so. I've taken on a few students at the moment, and um, I, I honestly think that nutrition is really simple once you understand what a dog is, where they came from, um, and that once you get get that part, you know, you don't need a certificate or a level of education in what a protein is and the different amino acids you just need a basic understanding of evolutionary biology um a balance of fresh foods and and that's kind of basic nutrition obviously once you get into more in-depth therapeutic diets and allergies um diets for kidney disease you may need a bit more knowledge but if you're just trying to figure out what the best diet is for a dog you don't need um yeah you don't need to go on a course for that (laughs) oh good no no it's well it's true isn't it and you know it's not everything's unregulated out there i'm a pilates teacher as well and there's Mm. such an unregulated area you know anyone could be a pilates teacher i've spent a lot of money you know doing what i do but you know, like you gaining knowledge and um but that makes me feel better and makes me feel more able to give that information out. But yeah, we've done the research then. Exactly, exactly. So the your own confidence and ability to communicate Pilates comes out with experience and doing your own research. Yeah. And that's really what's happened with me. Um so at the beginning I I was not qualified to be a dog nutritionist. Um, but my commitment to to the studying, to the research, to helping each individual dog and their health issue over time has meant that actually my knowledge base has grown to a point where I'm confident to go out and advise people on what diet their dog should eat if they have cancer or you know, even though I shouldn't and I don't, um, tell people, no, your vet is wrong to do that. It's it's not the best route for your dog. And in actual fact, if you use go down this more natural route, they'll be a lot healthier. Um, so I think, yeah, experience and, um, yeah, experience and trusting the person that you're going to work with is is means more than most other things so let's go right to it because i we we talked to some we talked to a breeder who 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 uses raw i've never really known much about raw in the the dogs that i've had it's sort of a new thing to me Mm -hmm. but i mean when i first had my dog when we used to have tinned meat food you know things like that i know things have come a long way since then (laughs) but so what is well, what are your thoughts? Or let's chat about raw versus kibble. Yeah. So ultimately, natural diets are best. And in human nutrition, we're really seeing that come through. And all the studies are indicating that a balanced diet of lots of plants, but also meat and fish is the healthiest, which makes total sense, doesn't it, really? Yeah. Um 
so if you just take that that basic outlook into canine nutrition what is a natural diet for them well it's a good supply of mostly uncooked food although cooked food is a big part of canine diets because they've evolved to share our food but they are you know the 15 50 million years of ancestry from the animals that they came from were carnivores pretty much so they've adapted to our diet slightly but what is natural for them is a more meat-based diet and no animals can cook it's a very human <laughs> you know, Sorry. Hum, yeah it's a very human uh anxiety around raw food when we see a chicken breast that's raw we go bloody hell i don't want to eat that or better wash my hands but you've watched your dog eat shit in the park lick their bum and be fine yeah and so that is the real you know so it's something that it, it's understandable but really we should be getting over that and and dogs have adapted to to take on raw foods they are scavenging opportunistic carnivores they're supposed to be out you know literally picking up old bits of rotten animals and eating it um so it's just we we think very in human terms for dogs and in many ways that is good but in other ways it can get us distracted from what dogs really are so kibble Mm -hmm. talk to me about kibble (laughs) (laughs) Uh, kibble so Kibble is in a, in a nice way. In a yeah. Nice so kibble was always designed for convenience. Yeah. And the more we've come along in this like very capitalist society, the more dog food companies have changed and adapted their recipes for profits and not for the benefit of the dog. So now what you're seeing in loads of dry foods is powdered meat, uh, maize, rice, loads of potatoes. And even if you are looking at the food as being completely fresh, you know, before, you know, you're getting a freshly cooked version of that meal, it wouldn't be balanced correctly. It would be there's just too many carbohydrates because they're cheaper, lots of cereals. The protein source is low quality because it's powdered, a lot of it. And that, High, like high form of food processing or intense form of food processing has an effect on the nutritional value of food. Um, so when you combine the two, which is companies aren't always trustworthy and processing, intense processing has an effect on the nutritional value of food, you just need to be really careful with kibble. Mm. Um, and the research in human nutrition is very clear, and that is processed foods contribute to nearly all types of disease. And whilst that plain information might not necessarily be available in canine nutrition, because most of the research studies are funded by the companies who make that type of food, Again, once you understand, you know, what a dog is and what they need, you can look at kibble and go, oh, you know, maybe that could contribute to the early onset of cancer or joint issues or kidney and liver disease. Um, So kibble, it's just 
in my opinion, there's there's always going to be a place for it, but in, it will grow ever smaller once people realize how much healthier their dog could be on fresher foods and how much money they could save on vet bills and things like that. Is there, though, that you know of, and I, I don't particularly want to name companies or anything, but is there a kibble out there that you think, because you're right, it's convenience, mm. and, you know, we travel a lot with our dogs, um, mm. vaccine and whatever, and I know a lot of people that travel a lot do raw food, so, you know, this is just me, but in that respect. But is there a good kibble out there that is trying to be like a raw food, but also being... Um, you know, th- thinking about the balance and trying to do it in a healthier way than maybe the bigger companies do. Are oh, there some out there? I think there's a company called Rocketo, which dehydrates food, but at a very low temperature so that it it retains a lot of the nutrients and doesn't negatively impact the food itself. So when you cook foods at really high temperatures and it's mixed with a load of synthetic supplements, that dramatically changes the overall health of the food. Mm-hmm. One, it's, it, it kind of sterilizes it, but then it also can create like toxins um, because it's overcooked and it's mixed with these supplements. So lightly processed foods I know that cold pressed could be uh, got question be lightly processed, but actually, from from what I've seen of cold pressed foods, they're terribly balanced in terms of their protein to carbs, and they kind of lean on the fact that we don't cook our foods uh, at too high temperatures, therefore we're healthier. And then they just whack in a load of carbohydrates, which ends up putting stress on the dog's digestive system, and in time, they get a digestive issue. So the good kibbles or the good dry foods, um, there's freeze-dried raw food. It's expensive, but it's a healthy option. Um, and Rocketto um, dehydrated food. I'm going to throw another one in there, which I don't know if you know about because I think they're quite small, is Millie Wolfhart. Yeah, I've heard of Millie's Wolfhart. Um, I don't know how... They cook the food or what temperature? I think it's similar to what you were explaining with um, the other one. They cook it at a low temperature. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the balance seems, and they don't put much carbohydrate in there, so they, the balance seems to be a lot. But it seems to be, it, it for me, it seems to be the nearest raw food that, that's not raw, if that makes sense. But Yeah. yeah. I think I, I remember looking at one of the recipes fairly recently. I do think they use a lot of powdered meat. Um, okay. So that's an ingredient to watch out for it's just a sign that in actual fact they are kind of cost cutting um the if you just think about how much an ingredient has to change to be cooked into a powder it's nowhere near as healthy as what it once was and the effect of it on the compounds in the food i'm likely quite negative interesting (laughs) but if you're going away if you're going away for a short period of time it doesn't matter if you're feeding majority fresh food diet feed them whatever 
to be honest. I don't care if the, if most of the time you're feeding them fresh foods. Um, yeah, so it's yeah. like us having a sugar binge or whatever, as long as most of the time we're, yeah. Yeah, we'll have the occasional, like, takeaway, won't we, and try and eat well the rest of the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, it's it's not complicated, is it, I guess? I think we try to overcomplicate it, and there's such a lot of dog food companies out there trying to sell us what they say is the best food. Yeah, massively. I mean, you look at the labelling on pet foods and everyone's claiming to be natural, holistic and all of these buzzwords, which they just whack onto the packaging. But really, you just have to check the ingredients. Most of us admittedly buy stuff based on branding and price. And actually, the truth is in the ingredients and then the cooking process of those ingredients. What, um, but there's been a few things about raw food, hasn't there, about, I'll probably say this wrong, about spreading E. coli and pathogens in uncooked food. Yeah. That was a question someone asked us. Yeah, I mean, they've done studies on this. I think there was one study in Sweden on 10,000 homes that fed raw and 0.02% had an issue, and that was from, like, the kids licking the bowl now right. if your your kid ate dry food which also contains e coli and salmonella then they're probably going to get ill too um and in actual fact the quantity of food recalls from dry food companies is a hundred times higher than raw food due to pathogen count so food that's left lying around gains grows bacteria but also uncooked food has a level of bacteria too but dogs are involved to, to you know they pick up rubbish yeah. yeah pick up rubbish they've got a much stronger stomach acid than us humans yeah. which kills off the bacteria and allows them to access the nutrients without getting sick and salmonella and often they can completely pass salmonella through their guts without with, with being asymptomatic they're just not humans no so, um it's it's something that i don't think owners should be worried about but they should obviously not buy raw food from like a crappy company that isn't properly handling the meat i would never say you know don't don't completely disregard bacteria counts but most good quality raw foods uh, there's just not going to be an issue with bacteria yeah, and I guess it's just it's basic food hygiene, isn't it? The same as when we are handling raw meat to cook for ourselves, we just wash our hands and yeah, you know, exactly. Don't feed it to your kids. Yeah, don't let your kids lick the dog bowls. <laughs> 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 That's good advice. <laughs> yeah, and people always say, but you know, my my dog licks my face. But if you're getting salmonella from a little bit of saliva, then you have serious gastrointestinal yeah. issues. Um, <laughs> is, there, is there anything we can we talk dog stools sort of i think this is quite yeah for sure <laughs> appropriate to this oh we're really going there today Louis. yeah we're going there <laughs> well, i think yeah. it's really important i'll be yeah. fascinated by this um but well i think there's dog stools and smelly dogs and i'm sure and i know it's food related isn't it so what as if we've got a health if we're feeding our dog healthily mm. what are we looking for what what would we be seeing a small poo 
that is reasonably hard and firm um, and doesn't smell too much. <laughs> Simply. Yeah. If it's big and massive and stinks and is slightly green or is like slightly yellow, then you've got some issues there. There's likely way too many carbs in there or the fat is not good quality. Basically, the more your dog poos, the more waste they're consuming. Yeah. Um, I see uh, quite a lot of dogs, even with fresh food companies nowadays that are putting a load of lentils and carrots into their food, you're seeing huge poos because their dog, the dog can't break down the lentils or the carrots. They just poo it all out. Um, so that's definitely an immediate benefit you see with raw fed dogs or dogs fed fresh foods that are appropriately balanced with meat to veggies to carbs is small poos that are quick and easy to pick up and they don't smell that bad. Who is the, the your sort of, it's your number one indicator of health as a dog owner. It's the thing you see every single day. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's true. And I think, you know, we, it's something, as Michelle just said, are we really going there? But yeah, we should go no, there. It's, it's important. Yeah. And mm. I've noticed, I've noticed changes having just done things um, with, with Pickle, but and I've noticed changes for the better. So um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So that's why I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> for sure. If, you, if your dog has, you know, persistent loose stools or it stings, there is an issue mm. and you should contact someone like me rather than going to a vet who's probably going to just prescribe you a dry food that's not going to do much difference um or someone else that you trust yeah uh, for good nutrition advice yeah no that that's uh that's good well i'm glad we did that Thank you. You'll be, I get so many pictures of dog poos. Oh, no. Yeah, I wake up, I wake up to pictures of poos in my emails. It's perfectly normal. Oh, I'm glad I haven't got your job. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay, well, let's move on. Yeah, should, um, should we chat a bit about Canny Cross itself? And I mean, is, is there anything we should be doing differently for our dogs that are athletes you know um in terms of feeding and i think it kind of depends on the breed um different breeds are able to take on different amounts of carbohydrates and in some quantities carbs can be quite beneficial for dogs that are doing short-term intense exercise um if you want your dog to be mobile for as long as possible, you've got to feed them fresh foods yeah. uh, or as many as you can in the right balance. Not too many carbohydrates. So they put on weight, puts more pressure on their joints. And in some cases can be pro-inflammatory when over-consumed, which just leads to the breakdown of the cartilage and, and just creates an unhealthy environment for the joint. So, Good, good quantity of fresh foods. A lot of Canny Cross uh, runners will use fish oil instead yeah. of fish, which I worry about quite a lot just because of the rise in the amount of dogs having seizures and things like that. And the research that's come out on fish oils is actually showing that most of them are rancid right. and contain quite a high level of toxins. So in actual fact, you'd be better just picking up a 
a mackerel from the fish section of your supermarket, chopping that up into chunks and giving that to your dog throughout the week. Yeah. Um, this is what we do, but beware because my dog will now not eat her dinner unless there's a bit of mackerel on top of it. She looks really? at me if I feed her a dinner without any mackerel as if to say, well, where's my extra special little bit of food? <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> she does enjoy it though. <laughs> well, what my suggestion would be is take the food away and then yeah. delete it for the next meal. Trust me. <laughs> Um, just on that note overfeeding dogs is also in terms of meal frequency is one of the least healthy Mm -hmm. things that you can do for a dog um i i get so many people that come to me um their dog throws up yellow bile you know once or twice and then they get advice saying that's because your dog's stomach is empty. You need to feed them more often. And it's actually, a str- in, in my experience, it's a sign of stress. The overproduction of gastric fluid is a sign of stress. And by increasing meal frequency, you're just giving more work to a digestive system that's under stress. And therefore, it compounds the issue. And then you know, two months down the line, it just gets a lot worse. So for dogs... Food abundance is less natural for humans. They're designed to take on a lot of food and then not much food for a period of time. And if you imagine we take on food, um, we metabolize the energy, it gets taken throughout the body by the blood, and then there's a waste to that metabolism, which needs to be removed. And in the period of non-digestion, that's when the majority of that cleansing is done. That's when the immune system is functioning at its strongest. If the dog is constantly digesting, you don't get that period of cleanse. And actually, that's when digestive issues arise and the dog is more likely to have cancer because the unhealthy cells aren't cleansed out of the body. Um, They did a study called the Dog Aging Project, which was 30,000 dogs in this project. And they found that dogs fed one meal a day had better cognitive function, were less likely to get gastrointestinal disorders, urinary disorders, uh, kidney and liver issues, every health issue um, pretty much dogs fed once a day were less likely to get just because their immune system was working for a longer period of time. Okay. So I tend to feed twice a day. Breakfast and dinner. Well, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I know, so my question is going to be, because like today, I don't feed her before I go for a run mm-hmm. um, because other issues potentially. Um, and... I feed her when we come back. I leave a bit of time before I feed her. So today she got her breakfast at lunchtime. So then she'll be wanting because she's in a routine and her body clock tells me it's uh, time to eat. So she'll be wanting a meal between five and six tonight. Is that too close together? No, I think just that's a, that's a, it's tricky because this research is on two meals a day is kind of based off human digestion so it's the intermittent fasting model yeah but humans are more accustomed to food abundance than dogs so 
I do recommend either one meal a day or two meals a day within six hours. Mm. Now, okay. I, but I am not 100% sure whether the two meals in, within that six hours are... Stressing. Yeah, are, are giving the dog's gut and immune system enough time to get that rest and mm. initiation because it's based on human research. Okay. Um, you know, sometimes it is just hard telling people, you know, feed your dog once a day. They, you do have to weigh up your own dog's quality of life. And you, but what I would say is that dogs adapt pretty quick. Mm. And um, yeah, it is the healthiest way to feed an adult dog, unless mm. they have health issues. Yeah. Yeah, my, mine does tend to, I mean, she eats twice a day, usually about 11. We do the same as you, Louise. We'll go out in the morning and then I'll I'll feed her. Um, but sometimes she won't eat and, and they do tend to manage their own appetites in that way. So she, she will sometimes go a few days without eating and then she'll come and bark at me as if to say, I'm hungry. <laughs> and then well, she'll great. eat. <laughs> that's great. But it's quite, so one of the oldest yeah. dogs in the world called, I think Maggie used to live in a, on an, uh, cattle farm in Australia. Mm. She used to self-regulate and not eat for yeah. a few days, and she lived to about thirty. Wow! Um, but yeah, the studies on how much food we eat and how long we live are really clear. Yeah. And that is, the less food we digest, the longer we live. Because wow. actually, the digestive process is where you take on you know most of the dodgy things that the world has to throw at you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah you're literally letting things into your body and you're taking the good things and you're getting rid of the bad things but every time you do that the bad things just take a little bit from you yeah so so there's been a lot there's been um uh, uh canny crossers doing ultras and things like that so doing long distance with their dogs now so just sort of going on the back of that and there's in a lot of the groups is um people saying oh what should i take for my dog because they're thinking human terms that we need the energy when we're doing something like that to keep us going but does a, a dog doesn't need as much in that period is it they're doing a like a I mean I t- pickle comes on cyclist coast path we're doing so we do like um eight hour whatever walks and mm. I might give a treat just to keep her interested but nothing nothing major do they need that they do they need extra food because they're doing that more ex- that sort of length of time of exercise in one go um I think it depends on the performance that you're looking for um if you're looking for some peak performance where the dog is expending a lot of energy at a reasonably intense level for mm-hmm. a sustained period of time it wouldn't hurt to give them you know a few more treats throughout that period of exercise but if you look at the history of some breeds of dogs they they can run 100 miles in a day and then they eat so I think that why not take a few extra treats to be honest it's not going to hurt that's for sure if they're doing that much exercise yeah no, uh, they could probably do it yeah fine but um it's it's our guilt isn't it if we're eating something they do, well, <laughs> door, so she always looks at me when I'm eating <laughs> yeah 
Well, they are natural scavengers, aren't they? So yeah, you know, geez, can't I, leave them out. I've been dragging you along for eight hours. <laughs> Give me some. Yeah, you think you've done some running? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I oh know that's really, I think that's really useful. And I think for because ultra running with or canny ultras are becoming a lot more more um, frequent now, aren't they? And people doing long distances. So, yeah, yeah. so that's, that's quite useful information. Um, sled dogs, when they used to go through the um, Yukon, when the Yukon gold rush, they always used to take dried fish. Yeah. That was what the sled dogs used. So, yeah, oh, like the sprats type thing. Yeah, sprats. I always worry about sprats because I just, uh, yeah, I, I worry that they might be quite low quality and, right. and yeah, where they're stored and all of that. Yeah. Um, but that's so, something in a fresher, okay. fresher way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so what would you recommend then, Cam, in terms of treats? What are the best kind of treats if we are going to give our dog a little bit extra? Um. <sighs> A treat is a treat, isn't it? It's like the, your bargaining chip with your dog. So just don't feed. They can be anything, really. If the dog is on a good quality diet, again, I don't care about the little things that are less healthy that you give them that they enjoy. So um, just try and do a little bit of research into the company and, if they are doing dried fish, look at try and figure out where they come from and you know sell, how far through the sell by date they are because those things do matter. Yeah. Um, and I've been told I didn't watch that documentary on how terrible all fish are or how they're all farmed and things like that. But I've heard that you know it can be quite. Uh, they, they can it can lead to a large decline in the quality of the fish that you're giving your dog so treats can be anything just do your own research yeah yeah, yeah. and not lots of it yeah. yeah um yeah no that's that's good sorry i'm thinking here um so when we're we have an on and off season for Canicross. So we're just coming out of Canicross season now into the off season. So we want to keep our dogs fit. We want to keep our dogs healthy. Is there anything we should change or do less of or more of sort of food wise during this period when they're probably not, well, they're not going to be racing. So they're not going to be, but you know, they still might be out running or free running or whatever. Hmm. Feed them less if they're doing less. Hmm. Once you've established a good diet, uh, it just becomes about the quantity of food that you're giving them based on their output. So, um, or you could do raw bones are a great thing to give the dog because they're high in glucosamine and, and things like that naturally. So they're more bioavailable source. So you could try and give your dog uh, more functional foods that promote healthy joints in the off season um but keeping the weight off and feeding fresh foods is how you do that i mean i've made some recipes on my website that are free like joint and mobility boost recipes mm-hmm. so yeah so 
stuff like that. Maybe take them swimming if they're that way inclined. Um, Paddleboarding. <laughs> Paddleboarding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the, I just take it easy. Yeah. It depends on the age of the dog and, and what type of dog you've got. If you've got a little spaniel that's just never going to stop, then I can't imagine it's going to be too much different for you. Um, but if you've got a slightly older dog, then, you know, just take it easy, keep the running up, but just at a lot lower level and increase, you know, when it gets more intense, then increase the food. So, um, oh, what was I going to say? <laughs> it's gone from me now. Yeah. We, um, We've got some questions from listeners, but I'll come back to what I was going to say because I can't remember, but it will come back to me, I am sure. Um, we've got uh, one, uh, some questions from listeners. Um, treats what's good, but that was from Faye. We've talked about that. Yeah. Um, if on a budget, what's the best food? That's from Jackie. Homemade food. Oh, yes, I like it. Um, going to ask yeah, you. you can't expect your food to be cheap if you're getting someone else to make it for you so you need to make big batches of homemade food and it's really simple um, that is the best food on a budget and that's what you you sort of that's what you do isn't it so um yeah so if they if you people are interested in doing that just i've got free recipes on my website um there's a lot more information I'm bringing out in the next few months or so, which is all going to be based around how people can feed their dog as simply as possible and as cheap as possible. Yeah. Um, because once, like I've got the knowledge on canine nutrition now, and that's really helpful to lots of people. But now people need to know, you know how to make this convenient and how to make it cheap. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that scares me off of doing it it's like you know it's just cooking for my family is enough sometimes you know <laughs> adding another mix into it is just like you know yeah but i mean often you can just buy the meat meat mince which has been blended with meat organ and bone yeah. from dog food companies and then you just add, add some berries or some grated veggies oh, really? like you probably have to do anything yeah see i haven't i haven't researched into this enough obviously <laughs> Yeah, I think most people think dog food is really complicated because they, one, get told that by their vet or they look at a dog food ingredient label and they're just, their mind is just blown by all the different ingredients and additives that are on it. But no, dogs aren't complex creatures and nor are their diets. Oh, that's, um, that's good. Um, this one's from me. And just because my dog seems to be doing it a lot, why do dogs eat grass? I, again, you can see so much out of there. Mm. It's it's firstly, it's a very natural and normal thing for dogs to do. So if your dog does eat grass, don't worry about it. If they're eating it excessively and they're showing other symptoms, like maybe they're vomiting up yellow bile a little bit too often, or um, they are licking their paws more often than they should then that can be a sign of, well, the yellow bile is just gastrointestinal inflammation um, or irritation that they're trying to resolve. And then the licking of the paws is food intolerance. And also issues with the stools would be food intolerance, which are the kind of 
the number one causes of gut issues with dogs. Mm. So dogs eat grass for boredom and to restore an irritation that's going on in their stomach or to um, resolve an irritation. But you just, you need to kind of try and be observant, see if there are any other things going on. And if there are, then it could be a sign that um, your dog has an issue. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. I often wondered that as well. My my dog likes to eat grass. <laughs> yeah, all, dog, all dogs like to eat grass. <laughs> well, I often wondered if it was sort of um, for hydration or something, you know, that that way sometimes, just because you know, when she does it, it tends to be in the early mornings when there's a bit of dew on the grass or something like that. But yeah, I mean, that could be the case that she's noticed that there's water on the grass. Because they do it for like for boredom and entertainment a lot of the time. It isn't just because something is wrong. No. Brilliant. Michelle, I think we've gone through everything that we were going yeah, to. I think we through. have actually. Yeah, that's been fascinating. I mean, if if we asked you, Cam, what's the one message you wanted people, our listeners, to take away from this podcast? What would it be? You know, what's the most important thing for people? So the most important thing for people to um, understand is, I would say, I mean, we haven't really spoken about it, but canine cancer is the number one cause of death in dogs. And all the research that's coming out is pointing towards lifestyle and environment factors being the main causes of most cancers. So up to 90% of cancers are caused by the food that we choose for our dog and the environment that we put them in over just simply genetics. There's also research that has come out showing that our dogs can live a lot longer and the way that we age dogs is completely wrong. They don't go up seven years every human year. That's, that's false. So... How do we get our dogs to live longer and how do we stop them getting cancer, a disease which is due to lifestyle and environment? Well, we try and put them into a more natural environment, one that they're um, physiologically most suited to. And that is, you, you know, canny cross, people who do canny cross do it really well, outside, running around, in the woods, being stimulated, they have a purpose, and then good fresh foods, try and avoid too many bleach products on your kitchen floor at home and uh, plastic chew toys, get rid of them. Oh, yeah. Really? Um, that's something I've never even considered, actually. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Plastic chew toys and even, to a certain extent, tennis balls. <laughs> tennis oh, really? Balls, oh, really? You know, yeah, they're just dyed yeah made like hair which has been made in a factory in china so the, the amount of like chemicals that go onto the tennis ball um and then if you think like dogs lick their feet and they lick the underside of their stomach and they're lying on a bleach floor mm -hmm. so just all of that stuff mounts up yeah. yeah so think more think more dog yeah, uh, and it's interesting you say that because we're having a load of building work done and I've been really aware of all the things that she could be picking up or whatever, you know, just, just through the nature of what we've been doing. So I have been trying to be really good with her, bless her. Um, 
Right, actually, before we finish, I've got one more thing to ask you, which yeah. you mentioned at the beginning. So this running dog company. Yeah. <laughs> what was all that? Or what's that about? So my friend started it when uh, I think we were about 21. So it must have been about eight, eight years ago. Um, and I had a pretty normal job working in London, but was totally miserable. And so he gave me, he was like, why don't you come and help me with this? And I said, fine, that sounds great. Um, and it was just amazing. We'd, we'd pick up, by the end, we'd pick up like 16 dogs in the morning and take them running around Wimbledon uh, Common. So we'd have like four groups of four, four runners, each with four dogs, all running off the lead around a circuit. We scare the shit out of everyone on Wimbledon. <laughs> so we always got the biggest, most mental dogs. So, you know, like uh, Rhodesia and Ridgebacks. Oh, yeah. And they, they pull. <laughs> they pull, yeah. But like ones that were scared of people. So they used to go up and like bark at art. Oh, no. on it for a while. Um, and then we used to go and take uh, like protection dogs for runs. So people had protection dogs in London. Um, and it was just such a laugh. Uh, like 21 years old, running your own which was running dogs around London. That was living the dream. Yeah. And charging people a fortune for it. <laughs> so um, it was so much fun. And like the dot, it was all the different types of dogs. And it's one job where people don't care if you turn up late <laughs> because their dog is so happy to see you Aww. that they're just like, well, we know the dog is going to have the best time today. Yeah. And even though we did charge quite a lot of money, it was the best possible time that the dog was going to have for the day. So yeah. it would be a two-hour walk in the morning, but a seven-and-a-half-kilometre run, and and then they'd get another walk in the afternoon. And the dogs were just – they were loving life, absolutely loving life. And they got proper kind of recall training as well because, you know, they could go off and do their own thing on the run, but we weren't stopping. And so yeah. they have to catch up, and we never lost a dog. Um, which, uh, looking back on it, I'm kind of surprised. But I was going to say you were very lucky. <laughs> they they got it. They they did get it. And um, I like the fact that we've got our dogs attached to us, and when I go out with a group of people, they're all attached. <laughs> yeah. No, we were like wild in a pack running around. Yeah. But dogs love it. I mean, that's what, yeah, you know, yeah. in a pack with Candy Cross, dogs absolutely love it, don't they? So, um, yeah. That's that natural kind of instinct, I think, that lives within all dogs. Like, I'm that the first part of my course with the students is learning about what a dog is and where they come from. And they came from wolves, pack animals that go around running and hunting together. And then they broke off into sled dogs. And then... So if you follow like the lineage and history of dogs, it's all based around like running around together, yeah. working and, humans. And some dogs like Dalmatians, which I only learned the other day, are carriage dogs, aren't they? So they used to run with the carriages. So, you know, they, they got that in, in ability, ability in them to, to sort of go for long distances. So yeah. they are all fascinating, actually. Um, but yeah, it's it's. Yeah, it's good. Oh, yeah, it sounds sounds good. You obviously did well at that time. <laughs> well, yeah, it was it was um it was good. 
in many ways, but it was very taxing on the body. And I, so on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I would cover 22 miles. Ooh. I did that for like two or three months. And then I got, I got injured and then we had to get more runners. <laughs> <laughs> we were just, yeah, we were like yeah, dogs. Young. We were young. We were literally like dogs. Like we just oh, yeah. London all day and so fit, so strong. But yeah, now, yes. now, I, now I'm in a office chair, you know, doing these types of conversations with people, which are great. But I always think, what happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> you started to grow up. That's what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not suited to me. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Brilliant. Tell well, us, just tell us a little bit, Cam, before we say goodbye about what you've got on at the moment. You mentioned the course. Um, yeah. You know, so what, what moment, you offer people. At the moment, I'm kind of designing the course that I want to offer to, to more and more people, um, particularly vet students. And um, I'm also going to make a whole load more YouTube videos and just short form video content to help people better understand homemade diets, how cheap and how simple it can be and how much healthier it can be. And then obviously I work with dogs that have health issues. So um, that is like my my main bit of work is working with individuals, but trying to help the broader spectrum of dog owners with just figuring out dog food and making it cheaper and more simple. And if anyone has any questions or anything, just get in touch via my Instagram or website. Brilliant. No, it's brilliant. And we'll put all that information in the show notes for you as well. Yeah. So <clears throat> it is there. Well, Cam, thank you so much. It's been really interesting. Um, lots of things out there. And I'm going to go and think about things a bit. Hopefully there's some lots of things, but lots of clarity too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> of course. No, no, lots of clarity. <laughs> and uh, I hope our listeners have really uh, enjoyed this episode. And as Cam said, if you want to get in touch, do so. Um, and we can always pass stuff on as well. So um, brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate that. No problem, girls. Lovely chatting to you both. Thank you. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. And if you get a moment, please leave us a review. We'll see you next time on Canny Cross Conversations. Thank you to our sponsor, Get Stronger, Run Faster 5K. Find out more about the course at the link in the show notes. It's great for canny crossers and runners to improve their 5K time and keep up with the dogs. And it will really help you to enjoy running more and avoid injury. <laughs>